For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pay Dirt Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Penn State finishes the 2021-2022 season with a record of 7-6 and six after falling to Arkansas in the Outback Bowl on New Year's Day by a score of 24-10. to 10. Granted, Penn State was without a great deal of its starters, predominantly on defense, so this was basically a glorified scrimmage. Hats off to the Razorbacks picking up the win, but we're going to do our best to glean what we can from this game, not necessarily a situation where fans should be extraordinarily disappointed and lost to Arkansas, but more so looking at this in terms of evaluating talent going into 2022. And speaking of the roster, there have been more changes over the last few days in the last week. Uh, Jesse Lucetta and offensive tackle Rasheed Walker have declared for the NFL draft following the bowl game. Um, Penn State is going to be losing seven out of 11 defensive starters to graduation or declaration for the NFL draft. And I say only seven out of 11 because luckily PJ must announced that he is returning for the 2022 season. So we're going to dive into what all this means. And then speaking of looking ahead to 2022, the performance of Sean Clifford in the Outback Bowl, what did that actually do for his stock heading into next season? We're going to touch on all that here on Pater. Thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. It's a new year, and Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Patriot Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pedro Podcast. We're so grateful to have them supporting this show. I am personally a huge fan of the Citrus IPA and the Silent Disco IPA. But Matt, I think you've at this point tried everything that they make. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was doing a little inventory in my beer refrigerator there. I, I like found, the way you phrase that. Nice. You like that, huh? You like <laughs> that, huh? Yeah, I actually found a few more that I'm anxious to try that um, I haven't tried yet. I, like, I gotta, uh, like coins in the couch. That's how you it is. Them. It is. It's a great feeling, too. Yeah. I found a hazy IPA. It's called Fresh that they make. I, I want to try that. Uh, they have, I found a triple IPA that I have uh, called Triple Citrus. You know, again, we talk a lot about little citrus, uh, the vanilla citrus they have. So I can't wait to try the sip, uh, Triple Citrus, uh, Triple IPA, and Double Disco. It's a double IPA. So you know, probably I'll probably have all three of those, Tom. By uh, you know, by by the end of the weekend. So that, looking forward to that. But uh, no, you know, Funk does a fantastic job. They're in Emmaus. They're in Elizabethtown. Find them at your local distributor, or, or find them at your local grocery store. 
Yeah, uh, as Mattress said, you can find Funk Brewing at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. We encourage you to visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Trust me, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer-loving taste buds. You must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. So, Matt, let's dive into this 2022 Outback Bowl. It began as a defensive battle, and Penn State predominantly in the second quarter, really looked like they were going to put up a fight. I was genuinely surprised by the performance of the defense, considering so many starters had either uh, opted out or were just not playing in the game. Uh, we learned just before the game even started that Tariq Castro-Fields was not participating. Um, so this was a challenge from the word go, and then as the second half uh, wore on, uh, Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson just took over the game. It, it was very reminiscent of a game plan that Auburn utilized with Cam Newton once upon a time. Um, you're, at first blush, what was your takeaway from this uh, unfortunate loss to Arkansas? Yeah, I'll start with a good time bef- before I get to the bad. Um, you know, Jair Brown's a great player. Uh, oh, you know, we, 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 we've talked about it. <laughs> we, we, we've talked about it you know, before on this podcast, how important it was with Brisker leaving to have somebody be able to fill that role as a veteran leader, you know, as, as a guy that, you know, could be a captain and be the leader on your defense, you know, somebody that, you know, is a smart player, right. But also delivers week in and week out. And, and he, you know, he's going to be that guy for you moving forward. I mean, even if you look at that first interception in the end zone, Arkansas is driving, right. You know, who who's going to make a play, who's going to stop them. I mean, the, the pick in the end zone was so impressive because, Tom, he's not even involved on that side of the field. The ability to cover ground, um, to read the quarterback's eyes, and to go make a play on the ball and undercut a wide receiver who was stationary, right? A lot of wide, wide receivers go up, get that football. At the very least, if the wide receiver does that, that's going to be a pass breakup, right? But Brown is, is so good at understanding where everybody is on the field. He's able to cut that off and make a huge pick um, you know, to, to stop that drive. Um, so again, it, it's huge. You talk about, you mentioned Mustafa coming back. I mean, this guy, you know, returning again, no doubt going to be a leader, not just on that defense, but on that, that entire team for Penn state. I thought Curtis Jacobs did a really good job as well. You know, yeah. he's a guy, Tom, that you watch plays until the play is over right early in the game. You know, KJ, you know, Jefferson was scrambling, uh, Jacobs blitzed, right? He tracked them all the way down on the opposite side of the field and made a nice play. But that's what I'm talking about. The kid hustles. Um, you know, he's made a lot of plays like that throughout the year. You know, he, he he's going to be very good in the future. And I thought Kalen King made some nice plays, right? He had a pass breakup, made a few nice tackles, um, you know, and did his job. So look, they're there. When you really look at it, Tom, moving forward into 2022 defensively, there are some good things. There's obviously some talented guys there. Just need to put it all together. But, I mean, when you watch that game, Tom, and I'll let you start, there was a lot of things that this defense needs to improve on. And it just seems like, Matt, it's just an experience thing. Uh, we talked yeah. about, you know, who from the linebacking core mm-hmm. is going to get the opportunity. Now, Jacobs was playing out of position, uh, was uh, was playing the opposite linebacker position that he's played all season long. And then you try and cycle in Jesse Lucetta from a guy who'd been praying, uh, playing predominantly line uh, defensive end, excuse me, most of the season, then transitioning back to linebacker. Not too foreign for Jesse, but at the same time, still an adjustment. So then it was on guys like Elsden and uh, mm-hmm. Charlie Katz here to jump in there. And um, the, I love the way Thomas Frank Carr from Blue White Illustrated put it on our postgame show is that he said, uh, these guys need more time to bake in the proverbial oven. And he, he's right. And this is just experience for a lot of guys that touch the field. Um, you talk about King. It was just evident that 
open field tackling was just not necessarily something he'd really developed into. And that was something you and I have talked about a lot through the season is that the secondary is excellent at the line of scrimmage, making tackles in open field and limiting a gain to one or two yards at best. So there were just a lot of guys getting in there for the first time, maybe. Um, if you're a fan of Penn State football, you probably had the roster on your phone and we're sifting through who in the hell is this guy a bunch. So yeah, <laughs> that's all right. Um, so for that reason, Matt, it's so hard to really evaluate this game like uh, the, the frustrating thing and you and i were texting about it is the lack of adjustments in the mm -hmm. second half yep. um do you put that all on co-defensive coordinator anthony poindexter who was the defensive coordinator for this game yeah yeah i mean so like it, it's hard because as you mentioned a lot of guys are in there for the first time so it's hard for me to sit there and evaluate their play evaluate their talent evaluate you know, how they performed drive in and dry out quarter in quarter out, because a lot of times it was a first time playing, right? Experience is something you gain by playing, right? You can't, that's it, something that can't be taught, right? So uh, let me take a step back. We talked about on our podcast that what was the concern for this game was what were you going to do versus the run, right? And I thought this defensive line got bullied. I did, right? Guys got pinned inside of that DN spot on outside zone. Um, they got lost. They got turned around in the run game. A lot of times they were out of control at that defensive end spot, right? Those DNs, those these tackles, they really struggled with that read game. Defensive ends were crashing hard. There's nobody home, right? It's not like they were scraping over top, right? Even in the red area um, where, you know, contain is so important, DNs were getting lost. Um, there's just, there was no one there to stop outside zone. Defensive tackles were getting spun around on inside runs. So for me, it it looks like it looked like Poindexter's solution to that problem was just to bring pressure outside, right? Corners, safeties, linebackers. Um, they get I mentioned corner. They brought the corner from the boundary multiple times throughout that game, right? He had no right answer. He had no adjustment for that offense. Like it looked like it, it looked like they had no idea what type of Arkansas offense ran, almost as if they didn't prepare for it, Tom. You know, so that for me, that that's on that's on Anthony Poindexter right there. That that's not on any individual player, right? You prepare for a scheme, you prepare for what an offense has done throughout a season. And it just looked like these guys had no idea what they were looking for, what their read keys were. Um in the drop back game, I thought I thought KJ Jefferson had time to throw the football as well. I mean, especially yeah. versus especially versus a four-man rush, right? You may point, well, they had five sacks. Well, I mean, three or four of those sacks were coverage sacks, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, I think the defensive line, Tom, needs a lot of help in the future. Um, and, and you mentioned um, some of those secondary guys being great at tackling. You know, a lot of those plays at the line of scrimmage were made by safeties and corners or, or linebackers. Because um, they had to. Exactly, had to. exactly. And, and it makes you appreciate Ellis Brooks and and listen, Brandon Smith didn't have the greatest year on tape. I think that's that's been clear, but he's still a freak athlete. Ellis Brooks, I, I think you need to really take another look at him if you're a Penn State fan. Go back and watch the 2021 20, yeah. season because he made up for a lot of mistakes that yes. happened along the defensive line, and he was able to run sideline to sideline and protect you in those situations. So that Brisker, Brown, whomever didn't have to make those plays to your point that that's a great point tom and and that's the thing like the game plan needed to be okay stop the run make the pass and make kj jefferson beat you through the air arkansas mm -hmm. and i'm not picking on anyone but arkansas is not good enough 
to throw the football and win games. They have mm-hmm. to run it. Penn State, they just couldn't do that. And you can't point to Brooks and Smith not being out there because the D-line got beat up. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. That's what lost you this game, not those linebackers being absent. And you're right. Those guys, how good they were, made up for a lot of those errors up front. And unfortunately, they weren't there. And you know that D-line got exposed. No Brisker, no Tariq Castro-Fields, no Derek Tangelo, no Arnold Abichetti. So, you know, it, it was a lot of new faces. Yep, um, yep. And that's why, and we're going to get to it later on here, the return of P.J. Mustafer for 2022 is gigantic for this defense. So it kind of stops the proverbial bleeding in terms of all these players that are either graduating, opting out early, going to the NFL early, or just flat out declaring because their eligibility is up. So um, so we, we've talked a lot about the defensive effort just because obviously that was so glaring in the second half. Um, overall, offensively for Penn State, the big question coming into the game was Jahan Dotson. By the way, it's Jahan not Jihad ESPN. Just want to let you know there's a spelling <laughs> issue. Like, come on, get the guy's name right. All right. So Jahan opted out, is off to the NFL draft. Best of luck to him. Um, so the question immediately was, okay, how is the offense going to move the ball? And boy, did Parker Washington pick up right where uh, Jahan left off. And, and it was, you and I wasn't surprised at all. And I it was driving me nuts to hear broadcasters be like, well, I don't know if he has the big playability. It was like, nope, they literally just moved Parker into Dotson's spot, and he did a lot of the same things, had the circus catches, and he's explosive in open space. So I I was really encouraged by what we saw by all of the receivers, to be honest. What did you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, and that's, again, I'll start with the good. And look, there wasn't a lot of it, but Parker Washington is big time. Mm-hmm. Right, he is your obvious number one guy, your number one wide receiver, your number one offensive threat in 2022. Um, you know, it's just you have to, you know, moving forward, you have to find even more ways to get him the football. I mean, you know, and we saw it a few times. Obviously, he's got the deep threat ability. You saw it on the inside fade route early in the game. It was a great throw by Sean Clifford down the sidelines. This kid has big playability. He's got ability to run routes underneath um you know and be able to get a ton of yards after catch um you know he can score from anywhere on the field similar to what we were talking about um you know last week and pretty much every week with Jahan Dotson um you know throw him the bubble more often I wish they did that at the line of mm-hmm. scrimmage when Arkansas is you know putting seven or eight guys inside the box throw him the bubble they did it once he, he took he broke a tackle took it for 20 yards um, you know, so so I mean, I think you got to build around him um, moving forward. I would would have liked to have seen the tight ends used more often, Tom. Um, yeah, you you hit that so well coming into the game. Uh, you know, in our last episode, and you were absolutely right. And it looked like they were trying to do that, and then it it yields two catches. Um, so it's just got to be better. I don't know is that better scheming or is that? And we'll get to Sean Clifford. Um, is that more on the quarterback? No, I think it's more more scheme wise, more game plan wise. Um, you know, we have to find creative ways to get your tight ends involved in your system and involved in your offense. I think it's a want to by Mike Yersich, right? All right. You know, both of these guys, right? Look, that's, this is part of the bad in this game was that there's an inability to block the tight end position. Um, they, they need to improve tremendously in 2022 from blocking at the tight ends, but too many missed blocks, you know, and it, there has to be a want to by those guys to dominate 
blocking wise in the run game. But going back, both of those guys are talented enough to where they're not just run blocking tight ends. They both can create big plays in the pass game. They're both very difficult matchups for linebackers, for safeties in man coverage, zone coverage, whatever it may be. So changing up formations, using motion, putting them outside, putting them inside, right? You know, splitting them out, getting them off the ball. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do. I'd like to see more of that moving forward, Tom. Let me go. I'll go to the bad now hmm. in this game. You know, I, you know what? I, should I start with the punt? Or should I should I start? I want to get the to the punt. Let's stick with the offense first. I'll, I'll get to the fake. Field. Uh, you mean I the do, fake field yeah. goal? Or, wait, are you saying a punt or a fake field goal? The fake field goal slash punt pass. Oh yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. Let's stick with the offense. I was I wait. I was waiting for you to bring I it up. I promise right? we'll get to it. <laughs> all right, all right. So look, I mean, when you look at this game, Tom, and you know, uh, pressure, pressure, and more pressure, and there was no answer for it. And a lot of yeah. times, I don't think. A lot of times, I don't think Sean Clifford knew whether he was picked up or not in terms of protection, in terms of blitzes. The offensive line struggled with stunts and games from that Arkansas defensive line up front. I mean, Tom, you have to gash teams when they pressure. You got to want them to pressure you, right? I mean, it, it, it looked like it was just a reaction to pressure, right? No plan. And it's a low percentage of being successful when you do that. You know, the sprint out game, was Mike Yurcich's answer, which it, let's be honest, it's not that great of an answer. I think it's I think it's a lazy answer in a lot of ways. It's an answer when you don't have one. The interception early in the game, that was a sprint out play. They come back, they ran the sprint out again on the third and six, the one that Parker Washington had that incredible catch. I mean, that's such a high risk play because you have one option. You're basically saying, I'm trying to sprint out. I'm trying to sprint away from this pressure because we don't know where it's coming from. We don't know how to handle it, right? If you don't, get the ball to your hand, it's going to be a sack or it's going to be a throwaway. And right? credit and were, to Parker Washington, he made that duck quack. Yes. That was a terrible it, throw by Sean Clifford. But it's hard because de those defensive ends from Arkansas were rushing so high up the field. Mm -hmm. Clifford's True. trying to sprint out. He can't. He's got to adjust quick and throw the football. Like that's, It's not a great answer. And there was multiple other sprint outs throughout the course of that game, Tom, that, that weren't successful. There was a second down when uh, Yurchich decided to go eight-man eight protection. Like you can't operate like that. And next thing you know, it's third and long and they can do whatever they want defensively. Um, and your percentages of converting are very low. And you know what? They're a spectacular catch away from a conversion time. Right. And, you know, it just seems like a lot of it was, all right, let's do this and see if it works rather than running your offense and running your game plan. Um, and if a defense does something, you adjust and apply the rules within your system to beat it. Speaking of running, uh, bright spots, I think is all I'm going to call it because the numbers are not really breathtaking. But there were some bright spots for Kevon Lee yep. uh, and Noah Kane. And then Sean Clifford uh, took the lion's share of the carries, which I, I personally am never really thrilled about because I don't necessarily know what SEC defense is really going to be terribly worried about uh, uh, Sean Clifford. So uh, there was some positivity, I think, along the offensive line. Olu Fashanu and Landon Tengwall getting a lot of opportunities looked good and had good opportunities. But again, it's the unit, not necessarily the individual. And I, I will get to that as we talk about uh, Rasheed Walker, who's off to the NFL. Uh, there, this You talked about the stunts. That was the entire Michigan State game for Penn mm -hmm. State, was just getting obliterated by stunts by you know defensive lines for much of the season that 
probably not the most talented defensive lines that have ever been fielded. And we talked about Arkansas missing Trey Williams, their number one sack uh, sack recorder or whatever, uh, coming into this game. So it, it was definitely an Arkansas team that was depleted. I, they had great linebackers, but they still just really made things complicated for the O-line. No, you're absolutely right. I just, I can't get, you know, when you look at this game, I can't get past the fact that the only touchdown of this game came off of a blown coverage by Arkansas. Um, yeah. You know, and even if you look late in this game, Tom, the third and one call from whatever it was, the plus 11, with just over 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, right? You're putting a drive together, right? You're marching down the field. That's, that, that's not a time to be messing around. Just run the ball and get the first down. Like, there's no, there's no need in that situation to go empty motion, play action. They try to pump that smoke route, one step wide receiver screen all the time and throw the football down the field, right? I mean, they go back to it. He tries to pump the screen. He tries to throw a fade route um, and and it's intercepted. I think you need to understand the moment where you're on the field, what's at stake. You're down two scores, but you still have a chance, right? Get the first down, keep marching. Um, You know, they were in empty. That triggers Arkansas's six-man pressure versus Penn State's five-man protection. Sean's forced to move in the pocket. He's late with the throw and it's picked off, right? I don't put that on Sean Clifford. I don't. I just think it's a bad offensive call by Mike Yurcich. Um, and that like that stuff is is not the stuff I expect to see from one of the higher paid offensive coordinators in the country. Tom, I mean, when, when you look at this, where would you put this in terms of like worst game plan slash called game of the year. I mean, right up there with the Illinois game. I mean, as <laughs> someone who attended it and and lived that, <laughs> that was pretty bad. So this this you can forgive. Forgive is a strong word, but you can comprehend because of the personnel that you have. So it's different. Um, and, and again, we don't know exactly when all these opt outs and you know guys that are you know done with their eligibility or, you know, or leaving when that was in, uh, when the team was informed of that stuff. So who knows? And you talked about it last week in terms of bowl prep. Oh, it can kind of sneak up on you. So we did like a month of prep all of a sudden turn into, oh boy, I've got 10 days, two weeks maybe with a young freshman, redshirt freshman. And I got to teach him how to get into this spot. You know, I can only imagine what the coaching staff was under. Yeah, right. No, no, no doubt. There's a lot of pressure, but that's why you use some practices throughout the course of December that you have to see what you have for your future. Then, you know, obviously here comes bowl week, bowl prep. Um, you know, hey, this guy can play a little bit. This guy may need some more time. Um, you know, it's just, you know, you, you got to be able to make adjustments. You got to understand what you have. Um, and you got to be able to use those players the right way. I just I don't think we saw that on January 1st. I do want to dive into uh, Sean Clifford's overall performance and what it means for 2022. We will talk about the fake field goal because I'm so excited <laughs> about that in the most negative way possible. And then uh, I do want to talk about some of the comings and goings on the roster, the coaching staff, and just the football staff overall and what it means for this upcoming season. But before we get to that, I do want to take this opportunity to let you know that all of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. 
Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about Thon or to donate, visit Thon.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels, and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in united. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. All right. Sean Clifford in the Outback Bowl, his final line, 14 of 32, 195 yards, a touchdown, two picks. He did leave the game later on in the fourth quarter due to injury in which Christian Veyu came in and mop up duty as the game was definitely out of reach. This flat out, very disappointing from Sean Clifford. Um, Granted, we outlined all the issues that he was dealing with in terms of the woes of the offensive line. However, guys like Keandre Lambert-Smith and Parker Washington were doing everything they could. You were seeing little glimmers of positivity from Noah Kane and Kevon Lee. Tight ends didn't do a whole lot, and that was really the end of the story in terms of the weapons. So you understand the things working against Sean. However, you outlined it extraordinarily well coming into this game, saying that if Sean goes out there and he has a game where he's lights out, kind of like he was in September, the first yeah. 20 minutes of the Iowa game minus the picks, right? If we see that, Sean Clifford, then it's like, hey, this is my job going into 2022. Yep. Now, my thought before we started recording this podcast is that as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, it reminds me of when Carson Wentz was in Philadelphia. And what I mean by that is that it's not a question of will he get hurt? It's a question of when is he going to get hurt? And the door then is wide open for Christian Veyu, Drew Alar, and possibly Bo Perbula. I'm not going to rule out any of these quarterbacks. Um, what message, in your opinion, did Sean Clifford actually send in this Outback Bowl? I, I don't put this game on Sean Clifford. I, again, I actually think this the way this offense played in the offensive struggles, I think that falls on Mike Yersich. I really do. But Still, Tom, after what we saw, Sean needs to compete for the job in 2022. It has to be an open competition, right? You know, every quarterback you have has a chance to be the guy, right, for this team whenever whenever they kick off in September of 2022. I'm talking spring, summer, training camp, open competition at the quarterback spot. And, you know, going back to Sean, right – We've talked a lot, again, about how he played, how well he played when he was healthy, how good of a relationship it seemed he had with Mike Yersich, right, early in that year, all the way up into the Iowa game to where he got injured. I don't think, like, when you watched him, again, before he got injured, we don't know the extent of the injury, but throughout those first four quarters, or excuse me, first three and a half quarters of the game, I don't think you can use health as an issue as to why he didn't play that well, right? Oh, he sure. had of course. he had a month to get ready for this game. Yeah. Um, again, we talked about how big of an impact he needed to make to start this year off right. 
to see what his future at the quarterback spot at Penn State would be. Um, you know, we've seen him play extremely well. We've got glimpses of how good he can be. Um, but he's just right now, he's just not very consistent at the stage of his career, right? For a guy that's in his fifth year, um, you know, the job should not, again, the job should not be given to him in, in 2022. Again, I think you welcome him back to the program for a sixth year with open arms, right? But he needs to compete. Um, for him to win it, he has to be night and day better than the rest of the quarterbacks at Penn State. I think if it's close, it might not be him running out of that tunnel, taking the snaps come September. And that's asking a lot. You really don't see, Matt, guys making gigantic leaps like that. What you're asking, what you're proposing is a it, huge leap. It's just, Tom, like because when you look at it, like – you know, we've been able to watch him play quarterback for three years now, right? Had a great, had a great sophomore year, struggled a little bit as a junior, um, you know, still did some really good things and kind of the same thing this year, right? We saw some great things. We saw some not so great things. We saw a couple injuries as well. And it's just like, it's just not the consistency you look for. I don't think it's the development that you look for. I, 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 you want to see from your quarterback as they get older um, and more and more experience. Um you know, so and I, I look as uh, tough of a situation I'm sure it is for James Franklin, Mike Yursich, and Sean Clifford, and everyone. It's unfortunate. I think it's the way it's got to be, right? He's got to compete, um, and just you know, I mean, everybody should start fresh here in 2022 for Penn State at that quarterback position. I can't wait to see how they platoon quarterbacks for the blue-white scrimmage. <laughs> no, I'm really like every Penn State fan should be glued to their television set or make it to Beaver Stadium because seriously, well, you're going to you're going to see what the future is. As long as they have a reason as to why somebody's taken the first team reps or the second team reps, I'm good with it, Tom, because I was once told I was once told I wasn't starting a blue white game because it was alphabetical and, or numerical. What? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's that's a terrible excuse. <laughs> what? Yes. It's alphabetical. Well, or alphabetical or numerical. Oh my god. That was that was why I didn't start a blue white game. So, yeah, as long as they have a better reason for that, uh, you know, for who's so starting. So, Lar is definitely starting. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Oof. Um well, wow, I don't know how to process all that. So I'm just going to move on to uh, back to the Outback Bowl because uh, I promised we were going to talk about it. Um, I, I had been worried about this uh, because we talked about it on the last podcast. And I said, you know, are you worried about uh, any odd choices on a fourth down? And it sure as hell happened. End of the second quarter, I believe the ball was marked at, I want to say, the 36-yard line of Arkansas. And Penn State trots out there, setting up initially for a very long field goal attempt, which, by the way, I do want to get into the kickers in terms of, apparently, there is a short-range kicker in Jake Pinnegar, who we haven't seen all season long. And Jordan Stout is your long-range kicker, who is a 69% field goal kicker on the season. Not exactly ridiculously accurate. Great punter, not a great kicker. I digress. Jordan Stout is out there to, it looks like, line up for a field goal. And then Penn State gets into a formation that I don't think you or I have ever seen this team, at least this season or last, try to attempt. 
And then nearly Jordan Stout lines up to throw the ball out of this uh, formation. He's nearly 10 yards behind the snapper as he takes it. And then when the play is clearly breaking down and Arkansas is not fooled, let's just say that, Jordan Stout then launches it into the end zone and it looked like double or triple coverage, I can't recall. And fortunately, the ball is not intercepted. Um, when I tell you my jaw was on the table, I mean it. I could not rationalize what I had just seen. And then ESPN broadcaster Rod Gilmore was like, if you're going to throw it, just put your freaking quarterback out there and throw it. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, look, let me start with this. Joe Lorig is a great special teams coach. He's one of the mm -hmm. better special teams coaches in America. Obviously, he just took the special teams coordinator job at Oregon. Um, yep. So I, I can't I, I can't imagine this is all him. Do, do you agree with that or no? I, I agree. I mean, like James Franklin has said that he uh, will make the decision on whether or not to go for it, but he allows his coordinators to draw up the plays themselves. So I don't know if that's him just, you know, bucking responsibility for that. But like, this is just another bonehead decision. I completely agree. Either punt it or go for it. Like, just you know, like, it, you know, line, line up and run a good offensive play. You know, like, you know me, I'm all about situational football and what you do in certain moments and what you do in certain situations. Penn State 10, Arkansas 7. There's 53 seconds left in the half. It's fourth and 13. You're on the plus 36 yard line. Arkansas has two timeouts left. Punt the ball and try to pin them inside their own 10. Yet you're asking this dude to throw a pass. Like, for, forget about the pass time. You, could, you couldn't even block it the right way. There, there was a free runner. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't even a good play design. You just ran two guys down the middle of the field. And look, Franklin's explanation for it was like, they wanted to get a defensive pass interference or Arkansas to pick the ball off in the end zone. And it's just like, I don't think man, like I don't think you can count on that stuff happening throughout the, like throughout the course of a game, right? Let like, let me read this stout had 34 of his punts downed inside the opponent's 20 yard line with 18 of his kicks landing inside the 10-yard line and six landing inside the five-yard line. I mean, again, this guy's one of the better punters in all of America, right? Mm -hmm. You're winning. You're winning the game right mm -hmm. now. And it's just, like, I, I just, I, I always, like, game after game, somehow I just always find myself surprised at some of the things that happen throughout the course of a Penn State football game. Should we be surprised um, anymore? Like, I mean, like, we're, what the like, hell? In, like, <laughs> And again, I don't, I'm not trying to spread negativity or anything like that, but it's like, it's just, they just, they find ways in situations like this to surprise you week in and week out. And they're lucky Arkansas made an equally bad call with the wide receiver throwing a pick, right? They should have mm, gotten three. Yeah. They should have gotten three points right before the half. And instead of 10, seven, it would have been 10, 10 tie game heading into half. Um, you know, sometimes man, the analytics, Sometimes that stuff just, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. For the record, James Franklin, James Franklin is 11 and 11 now between 2020 and 2021. Uh, he has a 10 year contract extension for nearly $80 million. I'm going to leave that there. Um, in regards to his coaching staff, and you touched on it, Joe Lorig, uh, the special teams coordinator, he is off to Oregon to join Dan Lanning's staff. This has been uh, an off season of, or relative off season, whatever you want to call it. Um, a bit of an exodus from the coaching staff. Um, obviously, we know about Brent Pry going from being defensive coordinator to now head coach at Virginia Tech, and he is now being followed by Michael Hazel, who was the senior director 
of operations for Penn State football. We believe he's taking a similar position at Virginia Tech, uh, probably a different title from what I understand, but a similar role. Um, do these departures worry you at all? I, I well, Look, Brent Pry deserves it. Right. Oh, one of, of the, course. One, one of the better coaches, one of the better defensive coordinators, one of the better linebacker coaches in all of America. Um, you know, I, I think it's his time to try to prove to people that he's more than just a defensive coordinator. He's more than just a linebackers coach. Right. He's a guy that can lead a program Absolutely. Um, and lead a team. So good for him. Um, you know, and again, you know, we wish him all the success in the world and hopefully he's able to, you know, get Virginia Tech. Um, you know, back on the right track. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know, man. Um, again, you know, we're not we're not inside that program, right? We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Um, you know, but I mean, you know, in this NFL, college, whatever it may be, in this game, you know, it just seems like a, a lot of coaches. You know, you always look for promotions. You always look for you know more money, better opportunities, things like that. So. I mean, I don't think, you know, there's, you know, any reason for us to take a look and say, why are all these coaches leaving? Why is this going on? Why is that going on? I don't know. Um, I mean, I just like to think that these coaches are looking for for better opportunities. That's all. Yeah, and, and it is a good opportunity. Uh, the University of Oregon's a, a great school and a great program, so I understand that. Um, it was announced yesterday, uh, we're, we're, well, today actually recording this Tuesday, there's Wednesday. Um, Stacy Collins will be the new uh, special teams coordinator, um, also outside linebackers and also nickel uh defensive backs. So Stacy Collins comes to Penn State from Boise State, Utah State before that, and then a bevy of smaller schools. Uh, I encourage people to look up his uh, resume because this is his big break after over two decades in football. So very curious to see how this goes. I'm interested to see if there's changes in regards to special teams because this unit has come under fire in returns of there's virtually no kickoff return game whatsoever there's virtually no punt return game whatsoever you have a punter and a kicker doing uh all the exact same duties and the quote-unquote workload finally being a problem that gets addressed in the bowl game so i again we don't know how many of these decisions are franklin's or if they were lorig's and now they become collins's a lot of questions do you tom let me ask you this question do you think like some of these coaches some of these assistant coaches are pointing to the 11 and 11 record over the past two years and maybe thinking moving forward here into 2022, there could be similar struggles. Um, and maybe they are, I, I, I don't know. And again, like I think everybody looks at 2020 as a mulligan because of COVID and the pandemic really just getting underway. And we're still dealing with it. Look at everything that was affected via bowl season. What, what is alarming about a lot of these roles outside of Brent Pry is that it's a, a it's a horizontal move. Um, you know, it's not, you know, taking a bigger job like Brent Pry did that you would understand that sure. you would appreciate some of these. It's just, yeah, I'm taking the same job and I'm taking it elsewhere. So it's alarming to me because again, and I've said this a million times before this contract extension that James Franklin got was supposed to be a stimulus package for recruiting, for facilities, training table, everything you can imagine and giving assistants more money. And then like the week after that happened. Brent Pry out the door, a bunch of these guys out the door. So, uh, you know, the, the, the true story is steadily going to come out. And we're going to keep an eye on that, but it, it doesn't, doesn't instill a ton of faith. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying uh, there. Yeah. I absolutely hear what you're saying. Yeah. So, uh, those are some of the changes in regards to the coaching staff as for players. Um, I want to talk about two players that have declared for the NFL draft, um, offensive tackle Rashid Walker, uh, has declared, um, 
I think this is probably a good move for him considering some of the young competition um, that I, I mentioned before, Olaf Fushanu and Landon Tengwall, um, a guy who could have come back. Um, you know, it, it, this has definitely been a good experience for him at Penn State. But th- the issue for me with offensive line prospects from the school is that we see that the unit is not great. Mm-hmm. And that's been consistent for a number of years. And then I remember a number of years ago, uh, McGovern gets drafted by the Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys and he's ranked as the number one guard. And he's doing all right right now in the NFL, nothing against him whatsoever. But I'm like, how in the world is this guy the number one guard? So I am very curious to see what draft prospects um, make of Walker going out because I even look at Donovan Smith as another guy who, when he was with Penn State, was he the most dominant left tackle in all of college football? No. Has he become one of the more dominant left tackles in the National Football League? You better believe that. Super Bowl champion. So I'm curious to see what happens with Walker. Um, I think this, the story with Jesse Lucchetta is really special. Um, Jesse Lucchetta, literally the day after the Outback Bowl, announced that he was going to the NFL draft. The guy played his butt off as much as he could during the Outback Bowl in a losing effort. You appreciate a guy who has been there for a long time, played a lot of different positions and worked really hard, came in, finished everything with the team, and then looked ahead to his future. Uh, Matt, what would bug me through the entire bowl weekend is broadcasters especially talking about doing things, quote unquote, the right way. And I know you're very much a traditionalist in, in this aspect, but you know, to hear guys, especially like Matt Corral, for instance, from mm-hmm. Ole Miss, and they're like, oh, he's doing it the right way. And I'm like, he got hurt in a major bowl game mm-hmm. that meant nothing mm-hmm. for, you know, they weren't going to win a national title. It was just going to say they won the Sugar Bowl. Um, so it drives me nuts to hear that broadcasters are saying like, oh, kids don't care. They don't love football. And, you know, to say games are meaningless, et cetera. I, I just think it's like, how freaking dare you? Yeah, this no, guy's no. got to make a decision for his future, and you're shaming him into, well, this is the right way to do it, to stay and die for your school, quote unquote. But come on. Yeah, it, no. It's a little tough on kids. The the one thing that does drive me crazy, like you just mentioned it, like no game is meaningless, right? There, there, there is no game that is meaningless. Every game is important. Every time you have the opportunity to walk out on that field, run out of the tunnel, and play in front of 80 to 100,000 people, man. That's important, right? That's what you dream of doing your entire life sure. is, is being in that moment. You only have a certain number of games like that. I get that. I get and that's that. that. I mean, and it's, look, you know the way I feel. It's a business decision eventually. Yeah, yeah that's, and, that's and I don't what it's becoming. How, yeah. how we're faulting 18 to 22-year-olds for making business decisions for themselves you, and their families. You know the way I feel. Look, I think you should play, but I also said it before on the podcast. If you don't want to play, Right. And you got one foot out the door. There's the door. But we're going to move on mm-hmm. right next man up. That's the mentality that you have to take And the whole like do it the right way thing. Well, yeah, everybody has their own right way. Yes. Like for me, again, for me, Tom, the right way would be playing. I would play. Mm-hmm. That's my right way. And again, I just talked about like if you don't want to play, there it is. If you're half in, half out, it's probably better you don't play. Because you can't play this game at 50%. You have to be 100% committed, full go. Um, so, you know, and you're right. They're, they're 18 to 22-year-old student athletes. You know, I think that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. Um, but coming back to the point that we started with, um, Luketa in regards to his NFL uh, potential, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. Yeah. I, obviously, Jesse's a high-character guy. He's stuck with the program for a long time, a leader. 
um, one of the most respected guys in the locker room. He's also kind of a, a hybrid. He can play defensive end. He can mm-hmm. play linebacker. Um, he will absolutely be able to contribute on special teams. Six foot three, 247 pounds he's listed at. So I'm curious to see where he goes. When you watch his game, like which of those positions do you think he fluctuates to? Like, <laughs> is he a 3-4 outside linebacker? Is he a 4-3 DN or a linebacker? I, I don't quite know. You know, when it comes to the NFL, Tom, the more you could do. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, I mean, DN, linebacker, he'll play special teams. Um, you know, Jesse Lucetta, like Walker. I mean, those guys are going to test through the roof at the combine at their pro day. They're tremendous athletes. It's like Walker. Mm-hmm. Walker can play left tackle. He can play right tackle. Who knows, man? They maybe maybe even ask him to play guard, right? It's just the only advice that I can give to these guys is be like, whatever they ask you to do, mm-hmm. do it. Right. Again, the more you can do like, you know, and again, I mean, we, we got, you know, uh, a great look this whole year at Luketa's ability to play defensive end for the first time and make that adjustment and play at, at that high of a level and then go back and, you know, play linebacker in a bowl game. I mean, you see how quick he is sideline to sideline making plays across the field. And for a guy that's, you know, 240 pounds, man, it's impressive. Um, you know, and you mentioned he's a high character guy, um, you know, who, who loves football, right. And, and NFL organizations love that. Um, you know, so, I mean, again, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, um, again, what position he does play, because again, he's so athletic, um, that he can play DN, um, or linebacker. Um, so again, it's, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. Best of luck to Walker and Lucetta. Those guys have uh, contributed a lot to the program over the years. And I do want to close on uh, a player that announced he is returning to Penn State for 2022. You and I had speculated about this a number of weeks ago. Uh, Defensive tackle PJ Mustafer is coming back for next season. Uh, He was injured, obviously, in the Iowa game and really his... Loss was felt along the defensive line. Hats off to Derek Tangello, who stepped up as the weeks went by and helped to anchor that spot. Um, This is a huge, huge return for Penn State, A, because if he had gone to the NFL, eight of Penn State's 11 defensive starters this season would not be returning in 2022. So a lot of youth. So now you get one of those guys back, obviously. And then all the points that you and I made earlier on about the, uh, the inexperience of the defensive line. Well, now Mustafer can really bolster those guys. Now you can look at guys like Smith Vilbert and Nick Tarburton and say, hey, you don't have to be the guy. You can facilitate. You can come up. And then there's a lot of hype around Adisa Isaac. Is he somebody who is going to recover from the injury he sustained last August and be ready for the season in time? We believe so. Um, but what do you think about Mustafer coming back? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, obviously when you get hurt midway through the year, um, you know, I feel like, and we know what he can do on the field, but I feel like we're going to see a much more, and not that he's not a motivated player, I'm not saying that, but I think we're going to see a much more motivated P.J. Mustafer in 2022 because I think he'll feel like he has something to prove, right? He missed out on games. He missed out on big-time performances. He missed out on helping his team and helping his defensive line win football games. So, I mean, I think this is going to be the best version of P.J. Mustafer uh, in 2022. This is huge for Penn State. It's huge for the defense, and it's huge for Manny Diaz. 
Yeah, very, very excited for PJ. This is going to be good. I have a feeling he could have a really big season because we use the term disruptive to describe him. You know, coming into the season, we saw what he did in 2021. Hopefully he rehabs and he gets himself back to as close to 100% as he can. But I am really curious to see how he can blow up Mm -hmm. offensive lines next season. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's been a busy week for Penn State. And I know everybody's feeling, you know, kind of deflated from the Outback Bowl. And, you know, it's a new year. We're we're all going to look ahead. We're going to try and be as positive as possible and see what changes for Penn State football. So thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next Wednesday for another edition of Pater. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.